0: Welcome to Pet Sitter Confessional. Today, we're brought to you by Time to Pet and the National Association of Professional Pet Sitters. How do you delight your clients? What does it mean for you to go above and beyond when serving them? Today, Morgan Weber, owner of Lucky Pups Adventures, joins the show to share how she helps her clients live a full and happy life through a holistic approach of care and walking through them through every season. She helps us understand the important process of grieving with a client whenever their pet passes away and why it's so critical as a business owner that you stay connected, engaged, and continue to experiment and not be afraid when things don't work out. Let's get started.
1: My name is Morgan Weber, and we started pet sitting in 2013. So we're into our 10th year this year, and we started on the side like so many other people, and it just kind of kept growing. And then in 2018, I left my full-time job. I had gone to school to be an architect, and I was working in the architecture field for about six years, and I was just like, you know, I got to the point where I needed to get my licensing exam and be an architect or quit my job and be a dog walker. And I decided that being a dog walker was a much better fit for me. So did that full time. And then we started hiring staff. And so yeah, here, that's a short story. That's 10 years wrapped into about 30 seconds.
0: (laughs) (laughs) We'll unpack that just a little bit more. 2013. What, what got you started in impact Care? What was that first couple
1: like? Yeah, so we had adopted a dog from a coworker's friend. It's one of those like friend of a friend deals. And this coworker's uh friend had gotten this dog because his dad had passed away. And so we ended up with this dog and she was amazing and one day my coworker said, you know, hey, we used to take our dog. So our dog's name was Casey. And he'd say, we used to take our dog to Casey's house. And, you know, he would pet sit for us. Would you like to pet sit for us instead? And I said, I mean, sure, why not? Like, I've got my weekends open. We were just out of college. And so, you know, we were living in a new city. We didn't have a ton of friends. And so I was like, I've got all of this free time in the world. Like, sure, why not? I'll pet sit for you. And it just kind of started like that. And we thought like, gosh, this is pretty fun. Um, You know, something probably not a lot of people know is, that the architecture industry does not pay well. So we were actually living in like subsidized housing while working this professional career. And so I was like, you know, I really need to make some extra money. And so we just started pet sitting. Um, We started with maybe that first year, we had maybe like five clients or something. And then we actually moved and we moved closer to home and we knew we were going to be here for a long time. And we really said, you know, let's, let's do this again. Like, let's start pet sitting again. And uh, we were involved in a dog rescue and a few other groups. And we just started growing and growing and growing, kind of word of mouth took over. And pretty soon I was walking dogs in my lunch break. And I got to the point where I was like, you know, I cannot keep leaving my job to go do my other job, (laughs) to to come back again to do my job. And my bosses at the time were awesome and they were like super accommodating. But, you know, I got to the point where I was like, I need to focus on one or the other and I can't keep splitting my time. And yeah, uh, pet sitting (laughs) one.
0: That's hard. I know many people face that decision and it can be pretty uh, terrifying. To be yes. in that moment of going, especially whenever you 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 have an eight hour, nine hour day of job, and you go, I have all my dedication to this. This is my reliability. This is my consistency. I have this thing. It's growing. It doesn't replace the other thing yet, but mm-hmm. maybe if I devote more time, maybe it will grow. And there's a lot of fear in that process. And so, how how did you walk through that fear? Did you sit down? I know some people get comforted by numbers. Other people just mm-hmm. dive in with passion. Kind of how, what was what was that like?
1: So I, I'm kind of a big picture person, which is probably why I ended up in architecture. I like the big picture. Um, And so I just really, I kind of looked at our finances and we um, kind of found Dave Ramsey in um, college and we were not like super strict, like beans and rice people, but like we didn't have a lot of, we really didn't have consumer debt and that made it a lot easier to say, okay like the minimum amount of money we need to survive every month is x and we are basically making that you know between my husband's job and my and the pet sitting like we're we're basically there um, and so we basically bought, brought the boat really, really close to the dock. So when we did make that jump, it was not super comfortable, but it wasn't like we would just jumped into the water and we had to like swim to the boat. We were pretty close to it. But yeah, it's a really hard decision because you do have to have some trust that this thing that you've built will continue on. Like you said, if I put a little bit more effort into this and I can pull a bit more focus on it, can it keep building um, or have I kind of hit market saturation, you know, and you don't really know until you try. Um, And so I kind of figured, well, you know, if this doesn't work, I'm not leaving my career in a bad place. Like if I have to, I could probably call them up again (laughs) and get my (laughs) old job back. Or like I worked in retail um, in college. It's like I could go find a retail job. Like I could make money somewhere if I had to, but I was just like, you know, I'm ready to make this jump and I'm, I'm ready to try something new.
0: And it's that newness that can be very it is where a lot of that scary part comes yes. in because we have that predictability, we have that quote unquote stability, whatever that means you know, depending on how markets are going, but we look at something and it's this opportunity before us, and we've got to try and mm-hmm. jump that and i I know that kind of that kind of thinking never really stops as we grow in business because there's always going to be parts where we we find ourselves looking at something going, "Is that an opportunity right is that an opportunity mm-hmm. and so how how do you uh, you know, going through your business, you're coming up on 10 years. How do you stay, stay fresh and stay adapt- ad- adaptive to respond to those kind of new opportunities that come along? Because I know as a lot of people, as we get older, and as we get in our business longer, we tend to f- fall back to, to safety, security, stability, mm-hmm. and, and no longer take those kind of chances.
1: I think it's probably built into my personality in a way. Um, If anyone likes Enneagrams, I'm an Enneagram seven, which means that I am always into the new thing and like the new exciting thing that's always up. um, It's just, to me, that's exciting. And I know that there's a lot of people who don't like, it's very much against their kind of ingrained personality to want to do something new. They want to keep doing the thing that's working. And I tend to see a lot of opportunity. Um, I joke that I was in Future Business Leaders of America in high school, like this little business club, because I just wanted something to do to hang out with my friends and like go to cool conferences. That's literally the only reason why I was in this club. Social um, club. <laughs> social club. <laughs> and, um, I was always like, I'm never going to be a business owner. Like, I'll never be an entrepreneur. Like, I'm just here to learn some Robert's Rules for meetings and like have a good time. And then I know, right? This is this is my this is my truth here, Colin.
0: Okay, good. <laughs>
1: <laughs> and um, uh, anyway, so I. I and I've turned into a serial entrepreneur. Um, yeah. We have multiple businesses now. So we've got our pet sitting and our dog walking. My husband does aquarium maintenance, and then we also started a memorial candle business. And it sometimes feels like these things are really desperate or disparate. Um, but in truth, they all pull together under the same umbrella of of serving how we want to serve our clients. Um, but it really has been a moment of opportunity where we said, you know, gosh, like my husband works at a, an aquarium store. And we thought, you know, gosh, there's people who need their aquariums cleaned. Like, we could do that. Um, And then in 2020, um, one of our dogs died, and I was really struggling with how to feel better. And I stumbled upon um, lighting a candle in remembrance of of somebody or of your pet. And I said, gosh, this was amazing. I bet there's other people who could use this too. And, you know, I think I hear that from a lot of pet sitters. You know, they say – my pet needed a good option. Like I was going out of town. I needed somebody to take care of them. Or, you know, like in our situation where a friend said, Hey, would you watch your, my dog for me? Um, It just becomes these moments of opportunity. And I think as um, business owners, we either have the opportunity to say, yes, like this sounds awesome. Let's try it out or say like, no, mm, that doesn't sound too good. I'm going to, I'm going to pass on this. And so it's just, I think Partially too. Do you see the world as a uh, an abundance of opportunities, or do you see the world as a place where okay, I found my niche and I'm just going to stay here and I'm going to keep going?
0: Well, and it also is a different viewpoint as far as like holistic view approach. I know many of us say yeah. you know, we have a holistic view of of the pet, but that can come in two different aspects. That I've been realizing more if you can you can stack horizontally uh, mm-hmm. stack vertically sorry on go mm-hmm. a dog and go what services can i provide that dog versus going out horizontally around that dog and go what other touch points exist in the life of that dog their pet parents and their community and a should i be serving them in the, in in that way and b how can i and mm-hmm. there's that's definitely two different approaches and so you know whenever you mention like the aquarium business the, the your, your candle memory flame business mm-hmm. you have these opportunities to grow out around that and that that gives a much more holistic approach to the life of the pet and their dog,
1: yeah, absolutely. when I was in architecture school, um, I had a professor who told a story about um, a rail line, and he said, you know why don't you hear about whatever rail you know I don't even remember right whatever rail line he was talking about and he said, if that rail line had looked at their business as a way to move things, they would have invested in you know like airplanes and you know over the road trucking and all these other things, but they were so focused on being a rail line company that they drove themselves into the ground because eventually they got bought up by some other rail company, you know? And so it was a really, he was talking about that in terms of architecture, like, okay, you have to kind of think about, you're not just serving your client in one particular way. You are really serving them, um, their overall need, not necessarily this little niche need, like a dog needs to go for a walk. Okay. I'm not necessarily serving my client because their dog needs to go for a walk. I'm serving my client because they need some um like peace of mind because they're away from home and their dog needs some enrichment or you know we gotta think about it from a, a larger perspective kind of a broader perspective like you said and we can see a lot more opportunities again on how we can serve somebody that isn't necessarily this one thing that we've already thought that we're doing.
0: Yeah. So how do we how do we stay stay fresh and open to opportunities? It starts with our uh, us, right? And thinking yeah. and, and and how we view ourselves a lot of times. I know it's oh I just do dog walks? I just do drop-ins, mm-hmm. but just one little phrase switch there. You can go. I prov- I don't provide dog walks. I provide dog walking services. I mm-hmm. provide drop-in services, which which expands that definition considerably to what you're bringing to bear on that client and their pet. Whether that is mm-hmm. the peace of mind, whether that's the communication, the certifications, the training, whatever you have, you're, you're expanding mm-hmm. that way out, and that's where we can start to find those other other niche, niche, niches and go. Oh, th- I could do that, or that's in my wheel or this is how, we, but that takes us expanding our view of how we, we, we define who, who we are in our business.
1: Absolutely. And I think one thing that pet sitters kind of, um, maybe get, forget in a way, because it is, we think so much all about the pets, but really we're customer service agents yeah. and we are, you know, I, I. Kind of say tongue in cheek that, um, the, the pets owner is our client. They're the ones who pick up their phone and book us. They are the ones who, you know, write the check or, you know, click that pay now button. Um, and it can be really hard to focus on the people side of the business because we're so focused on doing the best. You know pet care we possibly can that sometimes we forget that we have to make sure we're taking as good of care of the people as we are the pets because yeah we are we aren't just walking a dog, we're providing an entire customer service experience
0: well, that is gets to who are we who are we serving? who are we delighting in yes. in our in our services and and with that, it's going, how do I how do you, how, how do we make sure we are delighting the client and not just doing the job? Because that's, mm-hmm. the at the end of the day, it's it's really easy to just come in, do the service, leave, come in, do the service, leave, without really mm-hmm. making it an, an experience. So how how do you focus on that kind of thing?
1: Yeah, I think the one thing I will say is it's hard to do because especially maybe um you get a little bit tired you kind of overextend yourself you get a little bit burnt out and again that people side becomes um much less of the focus because you know you are there with the pet and you're interacting with the pet and now the challenge i think is that you have to tell the owner what you're doing with that pet and so that way they understand that value that you're bringing not just because the dog is getting a walk and it's getting a bathroom break, but that you are creating, like you'd mentioned, a whole experience for this pet. So we try to tell stories a lot. Um, So, you know, we try to include little an- anecdotes or, um, you know, fun little stories about what their pets are doing. Like where we are, we got freezing rain last night. <laughs> and oh. so, you know, I included in a report something about the pet said like, no, thank you, I'm not going outside in that. <laughs> and, you know, and it's one of those things where it could be frustrating as the pet sitter because you're like, Ma'am, you gotta go pee. And Mm -hmm. she's like, no, I refuse to. Um, and you do your best. And, you know, if you can tell that story in a way that the client finds endearing, or, you know, she replied back this morning, like, oh my gosh, that sounds just like her. You've nailed her personality, you know? So she felt a connection to us and, you know, and that we were really understanding her pet. Um, so I think that can be a, a really good way to. Um, Storytell through your visits, and not just saying, "Well, we went outside and we went on a walk, and you know, she peed, and then we came back, and then I said goodbye." You know, that's oh, that's one way to tell a story, and an- another way is to really get into kind of the emotional undertones that you can tap into to really help your clients feel like you understand them, you understand their pets, and that you really adore them, like yeah. that you are delighted by their pets, and that's. That can come across. Um, I did a, a phone job for a while. I was like a front desk person. And when they trained me, they were like, so I need you to smile when you answer the phone. And I was like, what kind of like misogynistic crap is it to tell (laughs) me to smile to answer the phone? And then I was like, no, this is real. Like, you know, you sound different when you have a smile on your face and you're talking. And the same thing I think comes when you're writing a report. So if I have maybe had a frustrating visit, I take a minute and I just go out to my car and I cool down, or maybe I drive to my next client before I write that report, because I try to be in a good space myself before I try to make that connection point with the client. But yeah, it can be it can be a challenge, but I think it's what can set us apart when we're thinking about being pet care professionals. Um, and I don't know about everybody else, but I know in our area, I've really seen um, an influx of new pet sitters lately. And a lot of times that comes when the economy comes down a little bit. Um, people have more free time, or maybe they're looking for a side job to help fill in those gaps, um, much like how many of us started. Hey. But there's there's a difference, I think, in if we want to be seen as a professional, We need to do certain things to help bring that professionalism to our services. And finding those connection points can be a really good way to distinguish yourself from other pet sitters. um, Or as a new pet sitter, to help bring that professionalism with you. So you can really stand out from the crowd. And, you know, if somebody gives, if you give somebody really good service, they're way more likely to tell their friends about you. Um, Word of mouth is huge in pet sitting because it's such a, um, like, you know, I'll use the word intimate service. We're in their homes. It's high touch. It's very personal. And people, you know, they want to know that somebody else had a good experience with you before they're going to recommend you. They're not going to say, oh, I just kind of saw this person on social media and they looked decent, you know, but that's that's one referral. And another referral is, oh, my gosh, You know, I met Colin and Megan and they just did an amazing job and their team knew my pets and they sent me these great stories and they sent amazing pictures. You know, that's a completely different referral that, that's gonna really spread throughout the community.
0: It really is. And there's, I know there's a a kind of a debate or discussion on how to send the updates. And a lot of people Mm -hmm. do just report cards with little check boxes on them. Other people do Mm -hmm. handcrafted written things. And that's really where we've gone to because we really want to add that personal touch, that personalization, be able to tell those stories. I can't tell you how many comments we get from clients who just love that we talk about the weather so much in our updates. Like people, they love, they want to know, is it raining? Is it windy? What's, what's, is there a storm coming? Like these are concerns because they want to know, oh man, I'll need you to tell you to put down the umbrella, or I need you to do this, or, you know, what's the the rain gauge? You'd be surprised how many people love that kind of information. And you can easily just take a few minutes and and tell that. And I know I've had those moments where I second-guess myself on, oh, should I I put myself in, you know— Try and get this personalized to the to the dog and, and what they're thinking because I don't want to misjudge and, and put a personality on them that their owners don't have, but mm-hmm. the only way that you know is you just try and you do that yeah. and and I guarantee you you spend enough time with the dog and with any animal you're going to pick up on its personality and then you that the client is going to know this person's really paying attention and yeah. we've we've had clients who save not just the photos we send but the whole update. And it's always mm-hmm. the clients who never respond to our messages. It's yes. so funny; they never respond, and then I'll be out, or somebody will call me, and they'll go, "I was on the vacation when you took care of so and so's dog, and she just sat and showed all those photos the entire time, and we laughed and we cried. And it was so fun. And I need you to take care of our cat this time. And yes. it's, <laughs> it's, you you just don't know what's happening out there, but mm-hmm. that's that's part of it. You just you do what you can, you do the best that you can every time, and you trust this will take me forward. This will serve my clients better. And I know things will come from that.
1: Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And I think too, as we're going, you know, as a potential recession, you never know, like they've been saying a recession for a while now. So we'll see if this holds up or not. But especially when we start thinking about what are ways that I need to, you know, really make sure that I'm, um, I have a good retention on my current clients. It's always easier to serve your existing clients, just like serve the socks off of them than it is to have to go out and find new clients. And so what are ways that we can really help our current clients feel like we value them, right? And so I think it's hard to sometimes when you're in a service industry, how do you show your appreciation for your clients? And I think that, you know, these little things really do make a difference Um, we started leaving welcome home cards um, and we started signing them so whoever's coming over to visit the pets we have a team so we work as a team approach so usually there's you know between maybe like two and four people visiting a family depending on how long they're gone and so we all started signing the cards because I was actually at a client's house who had a housekeeper come over and it was like a Mary Maids and they left a card and they signed it. So they knew, you know, in a way, you know, Mary Maids is a lot more anonymous. Um, They know who is in their house essentially. And when we send our reports, they do have everybody's names on them. So they know who's been there, but it's different to get, like an electronic report with a name on it than it is to see somebody's handwriting on a card. And so then we started writing a little note, um, you know, like, oh, it's so great to see them again. I hope you had a great trip. Or if we know that they're going on a trip for something, maybe they're going on, um, you know, a trip for a funeral or for a wedding or an anniversary or something. We try to tailor that note to that occasion if we happen to know what it is. This is one more personal touch to let them know like, hey, we see you, we value you, like we hope you had a good time or you know, we're so sorry that you had to take this trip. That kind of stuff too, I think can go a long ways.
0: Well, and that that gets to a question I had about in step two of your process for your new clients, you (laughs) say, we prepare and plan. And I love this language because it really is our responsibility as the business owners, as the pet care professionals to plan to prepare. Mm-hmm. So how how do we get better at that? What does this stage of the process look like for you and your team?
1: For me it really depends on the pets um and depends on the personality of the pets. So we have a few clients where we um you know, it might be that only I visit them for a little while because maybe they're a little bit more nervous, or it just needs takes us some time to get to know them better before I introduce them to the rest of our team, or I even decide maybe which members of our team to introduce our this pet to because each of our team members has different um, specialities or different personalities, and so we want to make sure that we're doing our best to line up the pet with our care professionals that we think is going to do the um be the best match for them. So there's that part of it, but it might also be like, hey, the this is an older dog who's maybe having some incontinence problems. We're going to bring over some of our puppy pads. We're going to bring over some of our washable, um, uh, like absorbent pads. So we can maybe put that on top of their dog bed. So if they do have an accident, we don't have to wash their dog bed as much. Or maybe it's, hey, this dog is a little bit more nervous. And so we want to make sure that we have really good treats when we walk in that house. So that way we know they know like, oh yeah, this is my friend. And they feed me. I said, I'm not above bribery <laughs> when it comes to pets. No. <laughs> like here. Yeah. As long as it's okay with the people, right? like making sure the treats are fine. But, you know, we'll do that kind of stuff. Or, you know, just knowing, hey, this person, yes, they want three visits a day, but their dog normally eats at like five o'clock. Or maybe it's the opposite of, you know, we're going to get there at five, but, um, you know, their dog needs to eat more at like, 3:30. So when we're there at noon, we're going to give them a little snack so they don't have hunger pukes. So By that time we show up at 5. You know, those kind of things um start to play into it or we have in our office like a portable radio, like an old school digital clock radio. And for some clients where they don't maybe have a TV, like we'll bring that along and plug it in. So that way the pet gets a lot of like background noise that they would normally get if their person maybe works from home. Cool. So we try to do our best to really understand what the that pet's routine is and then do our best. And obviously, if you're only visiting, you know, three times a day, you can only do so much with that. But, you know, we do our best to mimic whatever kind of routine that we can.
0: Have you heard of Time to Pet? Claire from Acton Critter Sitters has this to say. Time to Pet has honestly revolutionized how we do business. My sitters can work much more independently because they have ongoing access to customer and pet information without relying on me. I save hours upon hours of administrative time on billing, processing payments, and generating paychecks. If you're looking for new pet-sitting software, give Time to Pet a try. Listeners of our show can save 50% off your first three months by visiting timetopet.com confessional. Well, and it's just thinking through those scenarios, right? Of reviewing that information. And, and I remember when we do, you know, it was back from our science days of whenever you get a number, you get information, you always ask, what does this mean? What is this? tell me, okay, okay, I know an age of a dog, okay, my brain should immediately be thinking, at 15, what issues could be in this dog? What other mm-hmm. lifestyle changes have they making? What could I do to improve this dog's life while their owner is away? And mm-hmm. and then I'm doing the research, I'm talking to people, I'm doing that's that preparation that comes in of going, I'm not just reading a report going, great dog seven, cool, let's go. It's what, a seven, what does a seven-year-old dog for this breed and this health condition actually tell me about the kind of care I need to give? And obviously, we're, we're stacking that on Top of the food and the the exercise and the health mm. conditions and, and the expectations and all that, and putting all those pieces of that actual puzzle together, and then we layer on top of that what we can do to make it better. And then yes. that that that's really what that comes down to is that, that preparation side. And and really not skipping that step. It's yeah. really, it's really easy to just go, great, thank you for the information. I'll be over tomorrow and just <laughs> show up and figure it out. But <laughs> I don't know. I don't know if you've ever done that. Man, we used to. And it doesn't end well most of the time. No, or you get no. really caught off guard and you go, man, I should have known that. And so yeah. re- really taking that time to pour through, go, what questions, elder questions do I have? What red flags am I seeing? What are the three, five things I need to know more information about that I need to Mm -hmm. follow up on before I show up and walk through this person's door?
1: Absolutely. Or we have, um, like I've taken rugs, like rubber-backed rugs over to people's houses before because maybe their elderly pet does great when they're home. But now when we get here, they're super excited when we show up at the door and they're like slipping all around. So we'll bring a rubber backed rug over. We have, you know, some cat toys or puzzle toys, things like that. Um, or some people think you know, they just like, hey, my dog really needs a walk. And sometimes the thing is your dog doesn't need a walk. Your dog needs some brain drain. So uh, how can we maybe do a little bit of both and help you understand the value of the brain drain Um, to, and then you're like, oh gosh, this is working way better. Yeah, just do the brain drain, like skip the walk. You know, there's there's ways that we can help our clients. And like you said, the better we know them. um, And the longer we're in business, the easier that is sometimes. Like I know my onboarding form is, completely different from when we started and even from a couple years ago, I've started finding better ways to ask questions, um, that maybe remove the guilt that people feel about certain aspects of their pet's personality. So I might ask a question like, is there anything, um, you know, that we need to know about your pet in relation to X, Y, Z, or, um, is there anything like, you know, is there anything that we should be concerned about or like be mindful of when we come over? You know, that's a much better way to say, like, is your dog aggressive, (laughs) you know, (laughs) and people are going to say, no, my dog is fine. Or I might ask the question, how does your dog act when somebody new comes into their home? That's a much better way to get a tr- like a, a more truthful answer than just saying, has your dog ever bitten anybody or is your dog aggressive? Because people a lot of times feel a lot of, you know, maybe guilt or stress about certain things. And if we can kind of do our best to remove any kind of objectivity, then we have a better way to get to that answer.
0: I have, have a great one for you. It's one that 11 years ago and never knew we would have to encounter. Um it has been serving this dog for several years now, and very recently his behavior totally changed. He's a chow. He's naturally a little bit protective mm-hmm. of the door. He is he all of a sudden became extremely elevated to the point where on one visit, we weren't able to get in through the door at all. We did not feel safe entering. Reached out to the client, asking some questions, trying to be as, you know, just let her know, like, hey, we understand. Uh, well, I want to figure out, is he doing okay? Have you seen the vet? What's going on here? And the, the response was... Well, when you first started serving me and and, and him, uh, I had just had a restraining order placed against my ex and he started to show back up at the house now that the restraining order has expired. And Mm. all of a sudden it's like, okay, like totally different. We're going to take several steps way back. Mm
1: -hmm. But that just
0: started with a simple question of, hey, I observed this change and we want to make sure that he's okay. And then how can we help and move on from there? And realizing that... We may have a plan, and it may be the best plan in the whole wide world, but then things happen. And we just have to embrace and openly communicate with the client and put together a plan about what that's going to look like, things we can do, Mm -hmm. how we can change. And that's the experience, the expertise, the teamwork that we we bring to those situations. At running our running our businesses to help them continue to have a good life with their pet, and it's mm-hmm. you know it's one of those of like I ugh, like I hated having that conversation, and it didn't make me feel good at the end, and you know it was a very weird place to be. It was like I just wanted to come in and take your dog out for to go pee, but like okay, like I get it, like this is where we are now, and that's yeah. now 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 that we know that we can do so many things different, mm-hmm. and and going from there,
1: and it, that really stresses too the importance of. Building up that relationship before you have to have that conversation. And, you know, obviously, if it's a brand new client, you don't necessarily have a ton of time mm-hmm. to do that work. But if it's a client you maybe have seen a couple times, you know, the the best thing that you can do, I think, is start to build that relationship from the beginning. Um, and that can be through you, even your use of onboarding or like I should say pre-boarding, like your social media, how do you, your website, how do you talk to your clients before you actually talk to your clients to help mm-hmm. them understand that you are the kind of person who wants to have those conversations um, and who's open to having a, a more deeper understanding and a deeper relationship. Because if, if you had not um, maybe done some of those things that you had done, she might not have been comfortable telling you like, hey, I've got this crazy ex who keeps showing up. You know, that's a that's a really personal conversation to have with somebody. And you have to have a really good level of Trust in order for someone to even want to open up to you like that.
0: Right. And going like I like we're 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 the pet sitters here. Like this isn't a conversation I'm sure she, you know she expected to be having with us, you know, either. But because we had, had built up a relationship and we would worked through several things prior to this, that that's what that builds to you. And you, you get to that point where you can now tackle harder and harder things, which unfortunately is either going to happen just because of life eventually, or the mm-hmm. dog ages, and now we have more and more difficult conversations. That we have yes. to have. So these things happen naturally, but we have to do the groundwork and the preparation so that by the time that we get to those, we're ready for them, as as ready as we'll ever be. You know, you yeah. can't be ready one hundred percent.
1: No, some things life just throws you in the deep end. Um, and you know, one thing we find a lot of having these hard conversations is, like you said, when people's pets get older, or you know, they have to start saying goodbye to pets. That's not something that people go into. A- the pet sitting industry because they are really excited to do like care for people's pets as they're dying or, you know, as they're getting older. That's it's, it's not something that anybody warns you about nothing that anybody ever tells you. There's no manual that says like, great, you're going to be a pet sitter. Awesome. You got to like have these contracts and these things. And by the way, a lot of pets are going to die <laughs> and you've got <laughs> to become emotionally ready to manage that both for yourself and to help your clients through that process. Um, And it's hard.
0: Yeah. When you have that, nobody told me that I was going to have a conversation one day when a client called me asking me if I thought it was time to put their dog down because of their age and illnesses, right? Like, whoa, like, no, um, (laughs) like you just, you, you, that, that, those conversations just completely take the wind out of your day and you, you, you be, you're honest with them. You know, you have, you have one thing of you know, serving clients for several years in a row is you have a track record documented through your software and communications with how things have been progressing. And you can just mm-hmm. talk with them about how things are going and really just sit and listen to them at the end of the day, right? I, I'm not going to go and say yes or no one way or the other, but we can, we can help commiserate with them and, and mm-hmm. help them feel assured that they'll yeah. be supported, right? With those kind yeah. of conversations come up because it is, it is very, it becomes a very deep relationship, even though as odd as it is, as you mentioned earlier, Morgan, we never see the clients, right? They're never there. Yeah. So all of a sudden, <laughs> weirdly, we have this intimate relationship, close relationship with them that, in some cases, we feel may come out of nowhere, right? We'll be like, yeah. "Oh, I was, I was just checking on your dog, and like, we're like best friends now, or whatever, <laughs> whatever."
1: Yes, and you know, in some clients, you just naturally connect more deeply with than others. So you don't, you know, I don't want to don't. Want to put this out there that like every client is going to be your best friend, or you're going to have this amazing relationship? Because that's not accurate. You know, that's not real life. But you know, you you do find those clients who will they do trust you, and you know, sometimes that's hard because you do have to put a boundary up with some some folks or some of those questions. That's like, well, I cannot, I'm not qualified to give you medical advice, or you know, these are some of these times. It's questions that you need to talk with your vet about this. But you know, I do tell our clients that we are an An objective third party, that can be very helpful. Um, We have actually, unfortunately, or I'll say fortunately or unfortunately, have caught severe illnesses in our clients because we don't see our clients necessarily every day. And even those clients we do see maybe three or four times a week, it's easier for us to see those small changes because we are not with them 24-7. We don't live with them all the time. Um, And we do have a client that we visited three times a week. And one of the benefits for us as a team approach is we do get kind of a, a different perspective. Each of us have a different perspective, and then we can kind of collaborate. Um, We had a, a client a couple of years ago where one day I said to my team member who did the majority of the visits for this particular client, I said, you know, does... Does Louie look a little slow to you, like a little bit down? She goes, You know, yeah, I've been thinking about that too. I do feel like he's a little bit, you know, just um, his personality is a little bit more suppressed than normal. And we kind talked of talked it over and mentioned it to the client. And she's like, You know, now that you mention it, yeah, I've kind of seen that too. Took him to the vet and he had um, blood cancer. And so it was just Whoa. one of those moments where I was like, Oh, <laughs> You know we we were able to help them catch something and get them into the vet a lot sooner than they would have otherwise, just because when you live with your pet, you don't always see those small changes because they are so small. But when we as a service provider come in and even again, if it's a couple times a week, we those changes are a lot more noticeable to us. Um and so I have had clients who say, you know, gosh, what are you seeing? Because this is what I'm seeing. You know, I just want to talk this through with you. Um and we can kind of help provide um maybe more questions that they hadn't thought about or a different perspective. But it's it's hard and you know, to have some pet that you've been loving on for maybe a couple years and suddenly they get cancer and then in a couple of weeks maybe they're not here anymore. Or even in, you know, in a couple of months they're not here anymore. It's it can be brutal, <laughs> you know, it can be really, it's can be really emotionally heavy. And that's not um, something that people are usually comfortable about talking about. And it's often like a disenfranchised because I said, Oh, but well, you're just the pet sitter. Like, no. you couldn't have cared that much. And it's like, no, I sobbed <laughs> when this pet died, or this client moved away. Um, you know, you get attached. And I don't think that's a bad thing. But it is something you do have to kind of carry and, and learn to manage the longer you're in business.
0: It really is. We had one uh, who passed away recently and they still had a couple other dogs that we were coming over to take care of and we use a team-based approach as well. So I'm not always over there doing the visits and man, the first time I came into that house after that dog had passed away, it was, I I mean, I just walked straight into a brick wall and I, it took me several minutes to to recollect myself because all of a sudden the realization of like, oh, okay, this is, this is different now. And yeah. Still in that moment, being okay to to text a client and say, hey, I know my first time over here, just want to let you know, really missing Mimsy today, but I'm really yeah. looking forward to seeing everybody else. And embracing that part of commiserating with them so that they know that, yeah, they because then they feel seen, you feel seen. It becomes part mm-hmm. of that healing process too.
1: Absolutely. And for a lot of our clients, again, disenfranchised grief, pet, is off, pet loss is often disenfranchised grief. They might not have anybody else where they feel safe sharing those memories or, or feeling like that loss is being honored. And so I think we can, um, it's, it's an opportunity to really, again, connect with them and let them know how much we care because we do care and their pets are very precious to us. And it's kind of a fine line to, to feel like you're navigating, but you know, just like you said, just a note to say, Hey, I'm really thinking about you and gosh, I really miss them. Or I miss this aspect of them. Like meeting me at the door today Mm -hmm. um, can go a long way to help them feel better.
0: Morgan, you've mentioned drop-in visits and walks a couple times. Are, are oh. those the same services that you started off offering back in 2013?
1: So really, we started with pet sitting uh, because pet sitting worked you know, around our jobs. And we really didn't advertise the dog walking as much. I think our first year we had one dog walking client and the rest were pet sitting. And then even up until I became full time, I really didn't have a lot of dog walking clients. It was almost all pet sitting um, because I just didn't have the capacity. Um, and uh, when we first started, my husband and I worked opposite shifts. So I worked like eight to five and he maybe worked like, um, you know, six. 3 to 9 or something like that. And so we could kind of cover all of the things that needed to be covered really well with pet sitting, which is a lot harder to do um maybe in some other, you know, people's other types of work, but yeah, we really started with the pet sitting and drop-in pet sitting. We never really did live-in care or overnight care. It was almost all drop-in sitting. Um, and then when I went full time, we really started advertising the dog walking. Um, and that really grew pretty quickly. And then it ended up being about 50%. So we did about 50% pet sitting, 50% dog walking, and then COVID hit and that kind of decimated our our pet or I say our dog walking part. Um and so now it's more like 75% pet sitting or maybe 60% pet sitting and the rest dog walking. So it's it's really interesting how that has shifted over the years. Now, do
0: you ever get requests for people who want boarding or live-in care? Because I know that seems like the preponderance of my phone calls these days of they want to board or they want us to live in their home. And that's not something that we offer. And and so, do, do you get those kind of phone calls? And if you do, how do you ha- take that conversation? Because I feel like there's that that conversation is really hard to take and turn into something more productive or how we can serve them.
1: Absolutely. We do get those for sure. Um, and it can be hard. When we were really busy, I would just say like, nope, sorry, we don't do that. Like, good luck in your search (laughs) because we just weren't, there was a time where we weren't taking on any new pet-sitting clients because we were just so busy. Um, So that was a lot easier just to say like, nope, I'm sorry. I know how hard it is to find, you know, pet care that you trust. I am honored that you thought of us and I'm so sorry, but, you know, we don't provide that service. Um, And now it's a little bit different because we now we're back to accepting new clients. And so uh, sometimes I do say like, sorry, we you know, we do not do, overnight service. Um, but we do, you know, these drop-in services, and this is what that looks like. You know, if you're interested in that, you know, I'd be happy to talk with you more. But yeah, it can definitely be hard because, you know, that's what, like, that's like the gold standard in terms of on our end of pet sitting. And, I think a lot of people don't understand that it is truly like a gold standard, you know, premium pet care. Um, And, you know, they think, oh, overnight pet sitters, I should be able to get that for 30 bucks a night and it's no big deal. And then a lot of us are over here and we're like, well, it's, you know, $250 a night plus midday drop-ins because they don't think about the fact that I've got to pay either myself or somebody else at minimum of minimum wage for every hour they're there. And they just don't about that. And there's also, you know, the inconvenience of not in my own home with my own family and my own pets. And so if you, you know, if you can find somebody who wants to do overnight pet care, you need to treat them well, because it's a hard service. It is, you know, it's, it's difficult to be sleeping in somebody else's house and, you know, cooking in a different kitchen or, you know, just trying to manage your household plus their household at the same time. So yeah, it's a hard service to provide. I'm I'm always amazed at the people who say like, nope, all I ever do is overnights. And it's like, you know, gosh, you are you are amazing. Keep going. <laughs> <laughs> it it really
0: is. And it's it's understanding a lot of when we get those phone calls going, okay, this person who's calling me, they have their hierarchy of needs. Right. And yes. they have it pretty set. They have their number one, two, three, four, five of what they need met. And so I can try and talk to them and maybe quote-unquote educate them about different options, but if Mm -hmm. that hierarchy of needs is set for them, then the – I'm. I'm not going to be the one to convince them otherwise, right? And, right. And 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 know that going into the conversation, not in a defeatist way, but in a release of pressure for me to have yes. convinced them. Like, I'm not trying to. Con- I'm not trying to. Every time I get a phone call going, I've got to convert this person. I've got to convert this. right? No, it's. Oh, you want boarding? Okay. Well, let me tell you about what we offer and the benefits that it does have, and mm-hmm. leave
1: it at that. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> or, I'm, I'm not out here like even like drop-in pet sitting services, right? Because I think it's like the very best option. But it is interesting. You mentioned like people have a hierarchy of needs. I talked to a guy recently um who was in a tight spot because his, you know, like friend from work was going to take care of their pets and they wanna going on a five day vacation and like two days before they left, they dropped out on them. Um, and so he was really in a pinch trying to find somebody and I, he was asking about overnight pet care and I was like, you know, here's the deal. We don't normally do it. Um, but what we could do is maybe like some longer daytime visits. So maybe instead of coming over for like our standard visit, maybe we come over and we're there for two or three hours. And he's like, you know, no, I just really want someone to sleep in the house. And I was, I was like, I, I can appreciate that. Like, I I appreciate that that's your, like you said, like, that's your hierarchy of needs. And like, but you also realize your pets are sleeping. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know, and it's like, if I came over for three hours during the day, that's a way more people interaction than your dog is going to get by just me sleeping on your couch or something. But yeah, everyone has their hierarchy of needs and there's not a values judgment. It's not mm-hmm. like one is better than the other, but yeah, everyone just has their own idea of what they would like. And um, there's a saying, what is it? People convinced against their will are of the same opinion still. Mm-hmm. So I'm not out here trying to convince people that what we do is really awesome and like the best thing ever, because it might not meet their needs. And so I just, like you said, I try to take the pressure off and say, hey, this is what we do. We think we're pretty great at it. <laughs> you know, if <laughs> if you would like this too, we'd be happy to help you. And if not, like good luck, because it is really hard to find, you know, you want to mesh with a client and I don't yeah. want someone to to like begrudgingly take our services because it's the only option available to them. Um, Or, you know, they, they, I've tried to convince them that it's going to be an amazing experience. Like I want them to book with us because they're looking forward to it and they think it's going to be a good choice for their pets. Because again, that's a completely different relationship to build with somebody.
0: Our friends at the National Association of Professional Pet Sitters have a vision They envision a future where pet care professionals and pet parents collaborate to make a significant impact on the welfare of pets and the pet industry through education, certification, and community outreach. Together, we can make this vision a reality. NAPS is run by its members for its members. It's a completely volunteer-driven association. They offer a trial membership and various webinars to showcase the many NAPS member benefits offered. Visit the NAPS website today at petsitters.org for membership and details and more information. Well, yeah, cuz then you don't have this this cloud hovering over you going, I've got to prove myself. I got to prove myself. I got to do this. I got yes. you know, not not that we don't shoot for excellence every single time, but then all of a sudden there becomes this much cloud of dread of like, oh, this is the client mm-hmm. that I was on the phone for 45 minutes. Really hammering home and man, I yeah, I, I pulled out all the stops in my argument 101 and I got him over here, but now it's like, "Oh geez. like now <laughs> like how do I how do I live up to this or how do I maintain this or meet these mm-hmm. expectations?" And and so yes, just knowing I can only do so much, and that's okay. And mm-hmm. at the end of the day, they, they're going to take that or or not. And mm-hmm. you know, they may be back, they may be not. But at least I've I've told them about our services, and let's just let them know that we are an option to yes. to their pet care needs.
1: Absolutely, and that can take. You know, it's a lot easier to say that when you have a lot of clients. Yeah. You know, when you're first starting out, and you're like, I've got to be everything to everybody, and serve. You know, even if they call me and they're Leaving at you know five o'clock tonight, and they call me at one in the afternoon. Like I'm going to do it. Um, It's a lot easier to say yes to those um, type of services when you are building your business, and maybe you like rent is due at the end of the month, and or you've got your mortgage to pay. Like it's a lot harder to turn down clients when you really need them, and it's a lot easier to say. Oh gosh, I don't, I don't love working for anybody who's not in alignment with me. That's kind of a, a, you know, it's a place of privilege to be able to say that, but at the same time, um we had a client where she chose us because it was kind of last minute. We were the only ones available and it did not go well. Like her, like you said, her expectation was different from what we were doing. She had a lot of family stress going on at the time. And so there was just a lot of impacting factors that were built up and she did not have a great time. We did not have a great time. And, um, Mm. my employee was fairly new at the time. And she goes, you know, it's a lot better to work for people who are excited to have you there. And it's like, yes, yes, it is. Um, but it's yes. again, it's hard. Like you've got to kind of figure that out and kind of experiment in your business to figure out, you know, who, who are the people I'd like to serve and what kind of limits maybe do I want to start putting around my services? And, you know, it takes time to figure that out and you kind of just have to try something and find out if it works or not.
0: You know, you've you've said the word "we" quite a lot, and you've mentioned that you you work really closely with with your husband in the aquarium yes. business, and he helped you with your, your your pet sitting in the early days. How how has that relationship been, and what's it been like working so closely with him?
1: You know, it's interesting when you have somebody who has kind of a different personality type than you. So I'm very much like a big ideas kind of head in the clouds person. And his first instinct is like, well, what are the details of why this isn't going to work? (laughs) And sometimes, (laughs) sometimes that can be extremely frustrating. Um, But in the end, it usually works out where we're a good balance for each other. But I can tell you, it took a while. Um, We have been together now for, oh my gosh, how many years? Like six, years, something like that. And it's, um, it's taken some time to get to the point where we could work like more closely together. And I say in the last two or three years, uh, probably three years, it's been a lot easier. We've, we're a little bit more on the same page. And it's been um much more collaborative, you could say, because in two at the beginning, I kind of had my job, he kind of had his job. And actually, he's started the pet sitting. So we always joke. He's like you always forget to tell the part about how I was the first pet sitter. <laughs> and so
0: <laughs> Yeah, okay. So here okay. you go, Austin, more you need... were
1: the first pet sitter of Lucky Pup Adventures. <laughs>
0: okay, credit where credits due. Thank you. We'll write, put that. We'll write that down. Okay, oh,
1: thank you. Yeah, write that in the show notes. Um <laughs> and so um anyway, so that then his job changed and then my job changed and I started doing more of the pet sitting. Um and so we've kind of exchanged roles back and forth over the years. Um he used to like onboard all of the new clients and I would do more of the pet sitting. And now I kind of do more of both. Um, But it, it can be hard to figure out a good mix. And so whether you have a partner or a spouse in the business, maybe you have just like a business manager with you, it can be really hard to figure out which roles you should play. Because we all have different strengths. And so, um, there are a lot of times where I'm like, Hey, I need you to review this message. I'm going to send to a client because I want to make sure it's coming off, you know, the way that I think it's coming off. Um, and you know, that kind of stuff can be hard, but it's, it's nice to have somebody, whether it's, again, a partner, a, a business manager, or just even a close confidant, you know, another pet sitter that you can bounce an idea off of and say, hey, this is what I'm thinking of. Like, does this make sense? Um, and that's been really nice to have for sure.
0: Well, yeah, especially someone who you know, you trust, you, you have confidence and security in, which mm-hmm. that, that gives you a lot of ability to try new things, to yes. experiment with new things in your business, because sometimes they don't always, they don't always work out for the best.
1: Absolutely. And, you know, and I think it's also important to have somebody who knows your business. Um, and I love you know, all of like, I love that your guys' group that you have on Facebook. And sometimes people ask this like really detailed advice question, and they don't realize how detailed it is. (laughs) And it's like, you're going to get a lot of advice here. And some of this is probably terrible advice for your business, but nobody knows that because we don't know your business like you know your business. Yeah, And so if you can build a relationship again with a close confidant or a partner or somebody, and so, you know, sometimes your partner doesn't know enough about your business to be able to give you good advice about your business. But if you can find somebody who can really be that sounding board, um, that's really important. And, you know, I'll I'll say, Colin, you mentioned the experimenting and sometimes things don't work or they think they work out different than you think they're going to. Um, So in January of 2020, our business was really picking up. And so my husband was working at a pet store. He's been working in pet retail for a long time. And our pet sitting business was just getting full enough. And I said, Hey, I really need another dog walker. Um, the, the, you know, we're not really finding the right kind of person to add to our team. Um, could you maybe go part-time and you're at work and start part-time dog walking with us? And he's like, yeah, I could probably do that again. So we did that. And after a while, things were getting more busy again. And we said, you know, do you want to go full time? Do you want to like quit? We're going to make this choice. Are you going to quit your job and work full time in the business together? Um, And he's like, yeah, I I suppose I could probably do that. So we did that quit his job, which was sort of terrifying. um, Because, you know, while we are in at that point, we were in 2022. So we were two years out from the pandemic, my little like reptilian brain just kept going like, COVID's going to come back and everything's going to get shut down and everybody's going to leave. And then you're going to be screwed because <laughs> now there's no extra like outside income coming in. And I think there's a lot of people who are probably in that position where their business was grown and now they have like two people in that household who are now trying to both make their income off of that business. And, you know, things were going great. Things were kind of picking up. And then in the way that things do, things started going down a little bit again um, as we kind of hit like recession fears towards the end of 2022. And and then winter hit, um, which we are in the Northern Plains. We're up in South Dakota. And it gets pretty stinking miserable up here. And this was a really hard winter. And he's like, you know what, I think I need to not be walking dogs full time anymore. And I've got to mm-hmm. go back to retail where there's people <laughs> who I can talk to <laughs> and get and get this interaction from and, and and go back to this part of the job that he really did enjoy. He liked where he worked. Um, and so we made the de- decision then together to say like, yeah, you can go back, like go back to work full time. And we'll start a Um, either I'm going to pick up more walks or we're going to try hiring more people or, you know, more people on our team have more availability. Like we're, we'll figure this out, but you have to do something and figure out whether you like it or not. Um, and just because you make one decision in your business doesn't mean you have to stick with that forever. Like it's okay to be flexible.
0: It, it is because, well, I'll say it is. It isn't because in a lot of cases we see ourselves as being failures as have not yes. succeeding. I didn't do it right. I didn't do mm-hmm. this. I didn't, Why? like We go down that track yes. instead of going, I, I know better or I have to do something different now. So I'm going to make a better, I'm going to do a different decision. That's yes. going to be better fitting for me. And we, we forget that not just, do 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 I change and grow over time? But my business mm-hmm. does too. My business has its ups, my business has its downs, my business has its in-betweens. And I need to adapt to make decisions fitting for each one of those and everything in between different mm-hmm. scenarios. And, yes. and and that it's just me making good decisions. That's what it is. Yes. I'm not failing. I'm making a good decision today. But that's that's not what we tell ourselves. That's not what the lizard brain says in the back, because that that says never do this again. You're going to get hurt. You know, preserve life, yes. preserving, pre- preserving kind of decisions here. Go back to stability. Don't do this again, and just keep try and stay as normal as possible.
1: Mm-hmm. Absolutely, and I think too that we you learn a lot through failure, quote unquote. Quote, right. We're gonna put failure in quotes because we never really fail. We just learn more information. Um, and one of my favorite podcasts is how I built this. And every single episode, and it took me a while to figure this out, but every single episode is some like bajillionaire who had some horrible business failure and they built it back you know, or they learned something new and they like that, what they learned new was the thing that took their business off. And Mm. so it's, you know, you never fail. You just learn more information and you can't learn more information unless you're willing to take a jump. And so we did learn a lot of things. Like I'm not necessarily, um, like some people love reports. Like I am not a, like a numbers report kind of person. It's like the last thing I want to do on my to-do list. I'd rather be like you know, talking with my clients and like meeting new people. Um, And so I did learn, I'm like, oh gosh, you know, I probably could have caught some of these things six months ago if I had been doing like X, Y, or Z. And again, you learn those things. I wouldn't know how we could have made our business better and how we're going to make our business better if we hadn't experienced those things in the first place.
0: Yeah, you, you now know better and you will do better, right? That's that's where that mm-hmm. comes in. And you just don't know and it's okay. Right, it's not yeah. we don't know everything and we can't be prepared for every single situation. We can do our best and then we move on and we learn from that, which is mm-hmm. a lot easier to say. Again, I keep saying that like it's an easy thing. It's not, right? I just very <laughs> we have to say that of, of it is a process and sometimes you don't learn from it for years down the line before you can point back and go, Oh, that's why that. Oh, oh, I remember that one yeah. thing that happened. That. That's that's, that was preparing me for today.
1: Yeah, and when you're in the weeds of your business, you can't see those things until you do like zoom back out, or maybe you have somebody who can help you zoom out and look at those things. But when you're in it, and you're in the day to day um, of maybe you have a team member who's on vacation, or maybe you have a really busy holiday week, and suddenly everybody is traveling all at the same time, and you are running from you know seven in the morning until ten o'clock at night, you don't have time to think about all of those things. And so, you know, one thing that as our business is growing is we're trying to figure out this balance of when do I get to stop being the chief everything officer? where I am the dog walker, the scheduler, the customer service representative, the CFO, you know, the COO, all of these things. And when can we start to parse this out, whether it's to uh, maybe our team members who want to take on a little extra responsibility, you know, whether that was uh, my husband and I, okay, are you going to take some of this? And I'm going to take some of these other things. Like what fits our personalities best? Like all of that is really challenging and it does take time. And if you don't have the time and the brain space, to devote to that is just not going to happen. So it was kind of actually tricky when he um, decided he's going to quit his job I managed to get COVID, and I was in bed for. I got hit hard, and I I was in bed for like two and a half weeks. And then our dog got cancer and died. And then we brought a new puppy home. And then like the summer crazy schedule took off, and so it just it was it was a challenge of trying to find the right time to make all of those things happen. Um, And yeah, if you're not paying attention to it, it's really easy to just keep going with the flow and keep visiting pets without taking that step back and and trying to figure out some of those more managerial things, which Again can be hard when you're there for the pets you don't always think about okay what does the business part like what does the the business of Lucky Pup Adventures need which is different from what maybe the team needs or what our our clients need
0: Right, it, it it takes takes that time. It also takes being exposed to to new ideas and to new ways mm-hmm. of thinking. And and Morgan, I know you're a, you're a big reader. Uh, you've got a lot, a lot of books. Seems like you're. I don't know how many you read at any given time, but uh,
1: it's, oh. it's, <laughs> so I, I actually had to make me a, myself a list because um, <laughs> it's a hard to go back. And I never really keep track. And I've actually started this year off with reading a lot. So I. I actually have a note on my phone of which books I'm reading and finishing in each month. So in January, I finished three books and we're in February. So we're, you know, I've already finished four books in February. So it's been a little bit crazy how many books I've been consuming lately.
0: <laughs> what, what, what have been some of your favorites that you've read? Maybe not just this year, but maybe most influential to you.
1: Yeah, I think in terms of running the business side, I would say one of the most influential ones is Profit First. And I I will say this book and everything I've ever, if I ever get asked the question, I'm always going to say Profit First because it really helps set your business up for success on the financial side. Um, and the nice thing about financial or profit first is that it's talking about, it's like creating an envelope system for your business. And when you do work like a service provider where you do an hour of work and you get paid for that hour of work, it's really easy to divide your finances up in a way that is self-sustaining. And so we have, okay, this much money needs to go to taxes and this much money needs to go to um, you know payroll and this much money goes to our vehicle expenses and this much money goes to our profit that we can try to bring home at the end of the day, you know, for taking this risk of being a business owner. Um, and all of these things go in the right envelopes. And so we never run out of money to pay our taxes and we never run out of money to, you know, pay our employees because we are dividing things up in a, in a very specific way. So that'd be one. Um, and you know, Colin, you and I have joked about the book, The Gap in the Game, um, because that is a book that I will evangelize till the end of time, <laughs> um, because it's a great book for helping people look. At the opportunities that are in life, and not necessarily all of the challenges that we've had. Um, so I'll say that. Uh, and then the, one of the most profound books I'm reading right, or I just read right now, is called The Five Invitations, and it's a, it's kind of a sad book. So you got to prepare yourself. It's not going to be a book that everybody wants to read. But um, I'm getting ready to present at the Texas Pet Sitter Conference about um, about honoring grief and loss in as a pet sitting business, mm. and this book. It was written by a man who is a founder of a Buddhist hospice center, and it is an absolutely beautiful book. And um, I will say, so in 2020, I'm going to go back just slightly. In 2020, we had a horrible year. Not only was it COVID kind of took over everything, um, but my beloved two and a half year old dog, we had to decide to put her down for behavioral euthanasia reasons. And uh, that just kind of ripped my heart out and broke it into a bajillion pieces. Um, and then we, so we did that. And about two weeks later, my husband was diagnosed with a bladder tumor, which mm. does not happen in 30 year old people. That's usually something that happens to like 90 year old men <laughs> or people who have been smoking for 70 years. Um, and so between business kind of in the toilet, our dog dying and the husband getting cancer, I started to look at the world differently. And I decided that, um, you know, yes, we have to, you know, plan for the future and make sure that we're setting ourselves up to have a good, prosperous future. At the same time, we need to live right now because, you know, in a moment, everything can change for you. And so I kind of came up with our our new philosophy and our new mission in life, which is to live full and live happy. And one of the things that has brought me to this book that I was mentioning, The Five Invitations, is he talks about what death can teach us about living life. And how can we live life more fully through the lens of death? And again, this book is not going to be for everybody, but it is um, it's it was really impactful. And especially as I'm writing this presentation, um, to, to have this really hard conversation with a group of pet sitters. Um, it's been a really, a really good book. But yeah, I think there's um there's a lot about living in the moment. And as pet sitters, we have a tendency to burn ourselves out and overcommit. And if we are not purposefully living a full and happy life now. And we say it's one of the things about the gap and the gain. I'll bring that book back in here. Um, In the gap and the gain, there's a lot of people who say, well, I'll be happy when. I'll be happy when I have a manager to help me with my business and then I won't be so burnt out. Or I'll be happy when I hire my first employee. Or I'll be happy when my business hits $50,000 in revenue or $300,000 in revenue or whatever that mythical thing in the future is, let's not wait until then to be happy. Let's not wait until then to live a full life. But also if you're waiting for some future thing to happen in order for you to be happy, you're probably not going to be happy when you get it because it's just this like arbitrary signpost that you happened upon. Um, Whereas if we can do our efforts to live a full and happy life now, no matter what happens in the future, whether you get that revenue goal or you hire that person, um, you'll still have a happy life. And if you don't, it's okay because you'll still have a happy life. Like, I think that's that's really important. So that, that's my soapbox tangent moment there, Colin. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I'll take it. And I... <laughs> 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 Morgan, I can't tell you how thankful I am for you uh, giving us some of your time today and walking us through giving not just our clients delight, but we taking delight in the life that we have today uh, and taking full advantage of that, whatever that looks like. Um, I know that there's a lot more that we could talk about here and you actually have a lot going on. So how can, yes. how can people get in touch with you and follow along with everything that, that you're doing?
1: Yeah. So the best place to follow kind of what we've got going on is um, on Instagram. I'm a big Instagram person. Um, I share a lot of behind the scenes. So if you happen to be on Instagram, you can find us at underscore lucky pup. Um, And I post a lot of like kind of personal things there too. It's like my cute little beagle puppy. He often makes an appearance um, and things like that. Uh, We do, like we talked just very briefly, we do Memory Flame Candles um, which is born out of the loss of our dog Olive that I mentioned Um, and that is at memoryflame.co on Instagram or memoryflame.co online and um, those are kind of the two places and then I am starting, like I've done a couple presentations for different organizations. And I, I talk a little bit about that over on luckypupliving.com. So those are a few places you can find us.
0: Cool. Well, I will have links to those and uh, some of the books that we've talked about in the show notes. So listeners can go get clicked to that. Uh, Morgan, it's been an immense pleasure. And again, I can't thank you enough for your time. I, I've, I've just really enjoyed today.
1: Well, thank you, Colin. I always enjoy um, any chance I can spend with you and Megan. Um, this has been a really a lot of fun.
0: What does it mean to bring delight and to delight your clients? It starts with understanding what delights you and what you can bring to the table. Only then will you be able to do this consistently and reliably, predictably, and enthusiastically when you are with the pets. I know there are days where it can be a drudgery, where something just doesn't work out or you're frustrated and can go by in a blur. But by tapping into an internal motivation, by something that you can see in yourself for your reason, your passion for being there with that cat on that floor on a random Tuesday with thunderstorms going on outside, when you can tap into that, it doesn't just make the moment special for the client. It makes it special for you, which is critical when we think about the longevity of our business and our ability to consistently provide the high-quality service that we come to expect from ourselves. We'd love to know how you delight your clients and what delight you find in the services that you offer. You can send that to feedback at com. We'd love to be able to read that out on an episode and continue the conversation. We want to thank today's sponsors, Time to Pet and the National Association of Professional Pet Sitters. And thank you so much for listening. It means so much that you're here. We really appreciate you. We hope you have a wonderful rest of your week, and we'll be back again soon. I'm <laughs> sorry.